Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Hunting Photographer Podcast. Stoked to get the ball rolling and try to drop some knowledge bombs on you guys. I'm Zach Bouton and I'll be the main host of the podcast, but expect to hear plenty from Stephen Drake. He's my partner in crime, both in this podcast, but also in our online photography course. The purpose of this podcast is to start sharing a lot of our knowledge about hunting photography. We want to be able to give you guys a really solid perspective on what it's like to operate as a hunting photographer, kind of ins and outs of the trade and the industry, just give you guys some really valuable insight. So you'll hear both from myself, Drake and I will kind of go back and forth on some of these, and then we'll also sit down with some people that are either hunting photographers or work within the realm uh, of outdoor marketing. So without further ado, let's jump in. This first podcast, Drake and I are talking about our background, how we got started in the industry, and that eventually will lead us into a little bit about the lifestyle of being a hunting photographer. All right, we uh, the record button got hit. Time numero uno for the hunting photographer podcast. What do you got going on over there? Drake's still working. He's like typing. He's probably sending an email right now. Or... Yeah, I'm sending an email. No, I'm making podcast notes. Um, so basically, we just were going to talk today about how we got our start in the hunting photography media world. And there probably will be some overlap because Drake and I kind of got in similar times. I mean, oh, do you know what year it was when you started? It's been about 10 years, basically, when I really got into it. Yeah. We met, like, man, I don't know, probably, like, eight years ago. Yeah, I think it was, like, 2010, roughly. Yeah. 2011. So, what, I mean, how did you first pick up a camera, then? I mean, what's your, just your general background? I know you like to ski a lot. Yeah, general background. Uh, I'm from Montana, from Helena, Montana, actually, and I grew up ski racing and just skiing a ton. And like my very first intro to kind of cameras is like I used to video a lot of the skiing stuff that I would do, and my parents would like video me on like, doing like ski races, and I would put together little edits. And uh, so that was kind of like the very first intro. Um, and then when I was like a sophomore in high school, I got super into hunting, experienced elk for the first time, and was like mind blown. And, uh, what yeah. made you, what like made you want to hunt or was it uh, someone else like get you into it or, uh, yeah. So my dad, uh, introduced me to hunting, um, started out just bird hunting. He was super into upland bird and waterfowl hunting. We just do that in Montana and nothing too crazy, but it was a really awesome intro. And then, uh, him and I were out driving a, a dark, uh, road in the middle of nowhere, Montana, um, in the summer when I was probably 14. And uh, this, what I thought might still be, but it was a huge six-point bull elk runs right across the road, and it it slams into this barbed wire fence, and it breaks (laughs) all the barbed wire. And at the same time, yeah, it was crazy. And, like, you know, you see all these sparks flying, and then there was, like, lightning in the background, and this, like, crazy thunder, and, like, it scared the crap out of me. Wow. I was like, what was that? So that was kind of my first intro to, like, an elk. Nice. Ended up killing my first deer the next fall, and then... uh, um, started bow hunting elk, I think that next year. So sweet. But yeah, then I bow hunted elk for four years before I finally got one. And, uh, um, and then, uh, so when I went to college, um, I went, I went to Bozeman, Montana, it was only two hours from Helena. It wasn't like that far away from my parents, but I wasn't able to hunt with them a whole lot anymore. 
we'd try to meet, meet up on the weekends, but just schedules just don't really connect as well. And so that's basically when I first picked up a camera with the intent of capturing hunting. And my, my goal behind that was to be able to basically capture what I was experiencing in the, el- in the elk woods and sharing it with my mom and dad, who I'd both done a ton of hunting with um, growing up. So, yeah. so that, that was kind of the whole reasoning behind it. And then, So what was your first camera? It was a Panasonic Lumix, like a, I don't know, just some kind like of a, a fancy. Point, a point yeah, and shoot? True point and shoot, yeah. Nice. I, think the, I think the zoom range was like a equivalent of like a 24 to 150 or something. And then it had digital zoom, so Ooh. which you, which we now know is just like cropping in on you the You just sensor, like crank right? it out to like 400 there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a sweet little camera, and I was able to do a lot with that. And uh, Did you know anyone that shot photos? You just went and bought a camera? Just went and bought a camera, yeah. Actually, my, my parents actually gave that to me for, for one of my birthday presents. Nice. So, yeah. Did you ask for it? I don't think so. No, nice. they just they just knew I was getting kind of into that. They just that. knew they had vision. Yeah, they didn't know what they. What <laughs> they they sent you down a rabbit <laughs> hole, dude. Is that was yeah. exactly what they did? <laughs> they bought me my first uh, bow, like archery bow, as well. They didn't know what kind of rabbit hole that would be as well. Oof. So, but <laughs> well, you're doing good with it. So thanks, dude. But yeah, uh, man. Um, so you shot photos. Just want to document the hunt. I mean, how do you start getting work? I mean, were you what were you doing at the time? Were you just going to school? Yeah, so I guess to kind of round out that story is came to college. Uh, my Actually, my first day at MSU in a business course, uh, met a guy that worked at a back, backpack company in Bozeman called Mr. Ganch Backpacks, and he was super into hunting. I was super into hunting. Like, we were the only two people in the class that were into hunting, and him and I connected over that. And uh, through him, I was able to get a job at Mr. Ranch like six months later. And then Mr. Ranch was just expanding into the hunting space and um, they didn't really have anybody on the team that was a hunter and I was one of a few and I was also taking photos and I, I met a guy there um, through, through skiing actually that uh, I, I introduced him to hunting and he was super into photography and so he became a really awesome mentor um, for me in that regard and um, let me borrow his camera a bunch of times. We'd shoot photos of each other out hunting. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a, him and I had an awesome time and created some really cool content, uh, early on. And, and basically we used the mystery ranch, like blog platform to first kind of share kind of what, what we were doing, what we were seeing and experiencing in the elk woods. And, and at that time, nobody was really out there or very few people were out there shooting photos of hunting and kind of in its entirety, it was all about the trophy shot. There wasn't anything you know about the process along the way yeah i mean not to like tat our own horn but we definitely got into like the content side of things like just as that authentic experiential side of hunting started to like emerge absolutely yeah which is sweet impeccable (laughs) we've kind of seen it all um so at some point you buy your own DSLR. What's the first, what's the first like pro body that you rocked? <clears throat> well, so the first one, and this is my, my buddy gave me, it was a, he just let me borrow it. It was a Nikon D 200 and I used that for probably two or three years. Yeah. And at the time it was an outdated body, but shoot, it was a pro level DSLR at, at one point and like it did awesome. And so that, that, that was kind of the camera that I learned DSLR or, 
interchangeable lens type uh, photography on. And then the first one that I actually bought was a Canon 7, yeah, Canon 7D. Nice. And then I think my first lens was a 50 mil f1.4. Second lens is a 24 to 70. Um, F2. Dude, just just like we were saying today. Yeah, I mean those are the two <laughs> most versatile, like best first lenses. First two lenses, man. Yeah. Fifty and a twenty-four to seventy two eight. Yeah, and still to this day, like those are two lenses that I take with me everywhere. I know, so, man. Yeah. What about you? What was your first? Dude, uh, the first camera that I bought was the Nikon D seven thousand, and we just we rampaged on that thing for probably three years nice. <laughs> like it's still a good camera i mean it's not from a, a technical spec standpoint it's not even in the league of what there is today but you can yeah. still go use just that camera to get started absolutely yeah I mean, you can use an iphone to get started but i remember running around with that camera with uh friend adam foss and we were photographing like elk hunts and stuff and that was a sick camera back in like 2013 and it still is i mean honestly they really they're not that much different than what they are today i wish i had a timeline of everything that occurred back in the day but um yeah i mean so drake and i we both come from a ski background i grew up skiing a bunch in the winters back in idaho and um yeah just was super inspired by ski film not as much photography, but um, we kind of did both aspects. You know, you have a camera and you just do both. And so um, had a little experience in high school with some film editing and just thought like ski films were sick, love skiing. Didn't know where I wanted to go to, <laughs> go to college. And like had awesome grades, like straight A student, but apparently missed most of the college deadlines. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but blessing in disguise, I guess. So um, one of the last universities that was open that had sweet skiing was uh, Montana State here in Bozeman. So I came here for film and uh, skied a bunch, didn't hunt at the time. This was 2005 and um, ended up kind of bouncing around not sure what I wanted to do. Figured I want to run a business at some point and move back to, well, not back to Missoula. I moved to Missoula. That's where my brother Travis is at, taking business classes. And got there. Skiing was garbage. I mean, Lost Trail is sick, but it's an hour and a half for like 800 vert. <laughs> it's worth it on Thursdays when snow's been stacking up all week. But And if you go ski the power line run but i don't know ever since i moved to montana like i don't know what it was but there was this like vibe it was like country music diesel trucks <laughs> like idaho and montana are not that different but i totally like just felt there was a difference and some part of me was like i need to like try hunting and see what it's all about and so i kind of got into that and then moving to missoula it was like skiing wasn't a thing and everyone was like rock creek world famous fishery i was like dude i'd probably be stupid if i didn't go like check this world famous fishery out started fishing started hunting was like whoa like why have i not been doing this like i'm an idiot and basically took that ski like film and blogging was cool um that influence started documenting our hunts and like fishing trips and like just snowballed basically tried to look for content that was targeting a younger demographic and it, there was nothing like there was nothing it was all like older white males 
out hunting, killing, getting a kill shot, and, you know, like not. Like there was just nothing about the full experience. So we dove in, started doing it. Was doing business classes at University of Montana. Wrote a business plan for an entrepreneurship class and just kind of started Montana Wild. Started creating content. And at that point, there was like no one doing it. So it was not a difficult thing to network. <laughs> you know, reached out to some brands, sent some just blank, you know, blind emails, started getting some gear, shot some films kind of based off that TV model of we're going to do X number of episodes for like a season and just worked into those networking, you know, making connections with brands. And a couple of years later, like we're making money and started business. So I think we met you maybe like the second real year we did it. Mm-hmm. Like when we came over and, and met with um, the firm you were working at and like, your boss wasn't there. <laughs> it was you and Tenenbaum. <laughs> and that was like, uh, I think that was the first time we met in person. Yeah. yeah. Here in Bozeman. Yeah. And you've been crushing. That was when Sitco was starting to like push kind of the envelope on media and just been doing it ever since. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, about that time is when, uh, so Sitco Gear, uh, which is like, one of my biggest clients that I work with, um, they were based in California and they had just moved, um, up to Montana kind of around that, that timeline and, uh, and, and Bozeman, Montana at that. And so Bozeman's kind of become this, this little hub of like outdoor companies and outdoor kind of media companies. Um, and it just continues to snowball from there. But, uh, yeah, it started with, for me, it started with mystery ranch and then Sika soon after. Um, and then, uh, yeah, early on, I got a kind of a sweet internship with a local agency that worked with a lot of outdoor brands. Um, and so for me, that was really cool because I really just got to f- kind of hone in on my skills as a photographer, also a videographer. We did a lot of stuff in the social media realm as well. So, you know, you're working with a lot of clients, you're getting to meet a lot of these folks and just deal with kind of the, the end product on the photos. And so like creating the photos um, like, well, actually before that, you're like pitching, pitching projects, p- pitching big ideas, yeah. um, on these cool hunting trips that we want to document. Then we go actually shoot them and then we go through the whole editing process, whatever. And then, um, after that, I mean, you're, we're basically like writing the, the posts and the captions and everything for a lot of these brands. Yeah. Um, they were both using on social media and in like print and everything. So basically you got to see that, that entire full process, which is super cool. Yeah. That was way back in the day. Like when we met and I came, Travis and I came in and worked with like you and Foss, like <laughs> there was no Lightroom. There was only Photoshop. And I remember talking to Foss. He was like, show me photos. I was like, did you edit these? And he was like, edit these? I was like, you don't even edit your photos? He's like, no. Like, but there weren't even like easily read- readily available tools to like do that. You just went out and shot sick photos and camera and used them. You know, like, I mean, that quickly changed, but. Yeah, back then, it's like you almost intentionally shot in JPEG because then you would actually could shoot with a color profile yep. and get kind of that in, baked into the photo versus yep. some flat, you know, ugly quote photo. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, man. Those were good days, though. That was when, like, creativity was an all-time high because, like, people, I think people have done a lot of things in the past, but there was, like, a lot of stuff that hadn't been done, too, so it was pretty, I wouldn't say easy to be original, but 
It kind of was. Well, like you say, people just hadn't shot things in certain ways, so you could apply a, a unique photo, you know, idea and run yeah. with it because it yeah. hadn't been done before. So yeah. now it's kind of like we're at a stage where like everybody's out there creating really cool, unique imagery, and and in a lot of senses, it's you've probably seen it before in some oh, yeah. capacity. So it's like, I mean, this is a whole rabbit hole in itself, but it's like, what's next? For you know, sure. How do you push that envelope that much further? Yeah. Oh man. Pushing the envelope now is, I don't think it's that hard, but it takes a little bit more thought. You really got to search out the really key, really interesting kind of emotionally stimulating stories. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. Just photographing a guy going hunting, it's kind of like, well, cool, but it's like, what's the story behind that? How are you going to make people care? For sure. Um, not really on the topic of photography, but of elk hunting. You said it took you four years before you killed an elk with your bow? Yep. Nice. Four years before I killed my first elk. Yeah, first elk and first elk with a bow. So I pretty much exclusively bow hunted for elk. How many days do you think you hunted a year? Uh, During those four years, probably eighty, maybe a hundred. The year that I killed, Savage. yeah, <laughs> the year that I killed my elk. Um, actually, I took the fall. It was, it was the year after I graduated high school. I took the fall off, and uh, I was like, nope, I'm gonna go elk hunt. Like, I just want to take the fall off. I want to ski, and like, I was working like two days a week, barely, just in the evenings, at, like a little movie theater. And uh, yeah, I hunted a ton, and. Uh, yeah, like super late in the archery season, ended up uh, connecting on this. I've got him. He's like the one, the one young bull I got mounted in the house <laughs> right now. But he's a little five, five by five, and um, this is a a story about the the learning curve of uh, <laughs> hunting, I suppose. But uh, I I was under the impression that when you shot an arrow, that your broadhead, like the bigger the cutting diameter, the better. Yeah. And so I was shooting turkey broadheads, which had a, like a two and a half inch cutting diameter. I was like, that's a bigger hole. That's a positive. And like back then, like, yeah, I took archery safety, but it's like, I was, I didn't have this kind of sphere of influence of people to, you know, or I did, I didn't really know where to find this information Yeah. Um, to be like, oh no, you don't want that. <laughs> so anyway, ended up shooting this elk with a giant turkey broadhead and fortunately, <laughs> fortunately things went okay not did like you get perfect. any penetration or yeah i did but it didn't didn't pass through at all it went in probably like a foot and the arrow just comes zinging right back out and like he it, i mean it, it did the job but it, it was yeah. not ideal yeah and that was kind of like a little bit of an eye-opening experience because then I, I think i told someone that story at like sportsman's warehouse and like oh, instantly God. they kind of they like took me under their wing a little bit and they're like no 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 like this is what you should do and this is why and so that just like access to information wasn't super huge back then yeah and uh versus like it is now i mean yeah. it's kind of hard to <laughs> if you don't go looking for information There's, now like it's hard to fall into that yeah it's almost too much information now no absolutely and everybody's got an opinion too so it's kind of like okay how, how yeah. can you find the most credible source so yeah but, huh anyway that was my first uh elk experience so. nice now elk you're just thing. like you come to Drake's house and it's like <laughs> mega bowls and mega sheds. <laughs> so, no, I still messed up plenty, but I figured a few <laughs> things out, I suppose. So. <laughs> oh, what about yeah. you? What was your first elk? Uh, let's see. Um, I think we did like a two day trip my very first season of hunting. 
and just didn't see any elk. Saw sign, and I don't know. I guess when I do something, I kind of just jump in 110%. So I started like reading, and it's kind of what you did then, was read magazines or there was maybe a forum online yeah <laughs> like forums were like gold yeah. um everybody was like if you're gonna hunt elk you just gotta bow hunt them and like that next summer i bought a bow started bow hunting and hunted that year didn't kill a bull i don't even think i like wouldn't say i didn't get close i got close to like being able to kill some cows but like those first few years, so much bugling. Like, we were always in elk. Cool. It was just, like, a learning experience all the time, though. Like, trying to figure out what they were going to do. Like, what does the wind do? Does it go – does the wind go uphill in the morning or downhill in the morning? Like, how did thermals work again? Like <laughs> – Were you, were you, you know? guys filming back then, or, or was – Yeah, like, my first bull is on film. Cool. Yeah, which is sweet. Um, then the next year, uh, we went out to the breaks – I shot a bull in the shoulder at like 70 yards, which I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like <laughs> second year bow hunting and I'm shooting an elk at 70 yards. It's like, it's like something kids do nowadays because they think it's okay. And it's not. And, um, I made a good shot. It's just, he was walking and stopped and I'd been tracking him with my bow and didn't stop my bow. And I squared him up right in the shoulder, and no penetration. So I'm sure he lived to see another day, but we came back to Missoula and Travis, my brother, had went hunting and just got into a bunch of bulls, went back in there the next day. They were just ripping, doing their thing. And we kind of had an idea of where this bull was going to come through, just set up and waited. And he hit an opening, I want to say at 40 yards. And I made a great shot, double longed him. And it's like so wild just to like, shoot him, have that massive adrenaline surge, like hear that running and the crash. And then just like a few like big wheezes. And then you just like, then the real adrenaline dump hits you. Like that was, that was crazy. I remember like it was all downhill pack out. I had a Everly stock pack and oh, dude, <laughs> such a painful pack out. It was like, at that point I was like, I'm never, I'm, I need a good backpack. And we got hooked up with Mystery Ranch. And that was another way. It was like Mystery Ranch and Sitka yeah. were some of our first brands we worked with. And those were brands you worked with. And yeah. so, um, yeah, Sitka's still still doing their thing. Mystery Ranch is <laughs> – mystery is a good word for that brand. <laughs> it's hard to say what they're doing half the time, but they do build good packs. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, man. That was my first – first experience and yeah we did i mean we kind of were more crossover like we always shot video and photos on all of our trips and like also did hunting and fishing you know so that was really good experience for us like when we started we thought that was going to be just like a home run you know like no one is crossing that line that boundary and like merging fishing with hunting you know like there's no sims and sick aren't partnering up on anything you know what i mean they still aren't really yeah um and it was just weird that nothing really ever occurred you like had to exist in one industry or the other yeah like at, at a point in time like you could be in both and still to this day i don't really know anyone that crushes hunting and fishing content like all do it yourself 
public land, taught themselves, you know, but, and I think that's why we had some success. I don't think people really like value it. It's a pretty tough thing to like understand unless you've done it. I think, you know, like it takes so much time. Um, especially when you're in front of the camera where like Travis and I, as brothers, we were able to swap roles. So we spent a lot of time in front of and behind the camera. So like <clears throat> it was 24 seven, just yeah. learning hunting and learning photography and fully immersed for, I mean, the last eight years at least, but yeah. those first three, four years, like, man, we were just crazy about it. <laughs> I think that's what you have to do. I mean, hard work, you know, kind of like we're going to talk about in this course is I think the number one key to success is hard work. Like, I don't think I'm any more naturally gifted or talented or creative than anyone else. Like I just wanted it and like spent the time and made sacrifices. Like didn't go out and party with my buddies. Didn't like play video games. Didn't go watch movies. Like it was school work and hunting and photography. And that was it. And for some people that's, that's not their jam, but for people that want to be successful and like get the ball rolling, you got to dive in 110%. I don't know what you did, but <laughs> well, no, I think I'm sure you worked your butt off. <laughs> I guess to add to that, like that, that mentality does not change. doesn't matter if you're having a lot of su success or not. Like no, you're still working super hard and like, there's nothing traditional about what we do um, as far as the hours worked or, lifestyle by any means so um a lot of people kind of look up to that and think it's a really cool thing and don't get me wrong it is but it's like yeah. i mean when i'm working hard which is always it's 12 to 15 hours a day and i spend probably twice as much time in front of my computer uh editing and pitching trips and doing all the accounting and yeah all the adulting things that, that go along with running your own business um as, as i do actually in the field shooting so i'm, I'm, I'm trying to even that out more so I can actually spend more days out in the field. And, um, and uh, <laughs> I feel like my days in the field keep getting less and less, <laughs> which is okay. I don't need to hunt as much as I have in the past, which is another interesting topic of like, I don't even know how to like get into it, but um, like what you value in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like my perception of hunting and fishing has changed a lot. Like if I could have hunted or fished every single day of my life, like five years ago, I would have. Now I'm like, dude, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But man, I could never be just like full on addicted to this. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just kind of worthless. If all I do is go hunting or fishing, hmm. you know, if I went fishing the next three months, like. I just feel like a piece of crap. Yeah. Like I did nothing for anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. You kind of feel this like, yeah, you want to provide worth to society a little bit. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I feel that too. I mean, I think, uh, so I used to ski a ton. Uh, one year I skied 130 days in, in one season. Yeah. And I ski raced for like 13 years. And then two years ago, I basically quit cold turkey. I still love it. Like, yeah. I'll go like once a year now, but totally quit. And I got to a point where I was just like, why am I doing this? What yeah. is the point? Do you think they'll have one hunting? I don't know. Yeah. I question that with shed hunting more than anything. Cause I probably spend more time shed hunting than I actually do hunting. And I at least thinking about shed hunting than I do hunting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just interesting how passions change and how, 
your motives, motivations, I guess, change. Sure. And uh, even with like photography and running like photography business in the hunting space and like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love shooting images of people doing wild, crazy things in the hunting space. Cause I think it's, I think it inspires people, but at the same yeah. time, I'm like, what's the value here in the grand yeah. scheme of things? Like, sure. Who cares? You know? Yeah. Um, like yeah. We, we care in our own little spectrum for sure. Yeah. But, and like part of like wanting, and I, I know you maybe feel similar about this act, but it's like, I really love helping people. Yeah. And like on Instagram, every photography question I ever get, I always respond. Yeah. Like, Cause I, I truly genuinely want to help people and want other people to get into it. And yeah experience some of these really cool things that I've been fortunate enough to experience. And part of like this course is, is it, you know, f- for me as a hope to be able to share a lot of that wisdom yeah. that I've gained so that other people can go out and, and do this and experience and um, have or tap into this type of a lifestyle. For sure. Yeah. For me now, like I would rather go document other people's hunts or help them on their first hunt or like the purpose of this class is to help people like, do more with hunting photography and for me it's like some people will be hunting photographers their whole life and other people will be hunting photographers for a time and then evolve into something else and for me it's more of a journey or has been um because i'm not pursuing it a hundred percent right now like that's not i'm not going to be a hunting photographer full-time in three years from now you know like I'm not even really right now, but like the immersion and the skills and all the things that you learn, like it opens other doors, you know, like I could go work for a brand right now. Like I have pretty instrumental marketing skills for like building brands, marketing products, like the avenues, it's like a gateway, you know, into like other cool stuff, you know? And I think for me, like, I kind of inspired myself, but for me, that's been huge in my life. And so if I can get other people out there just taking something that they think they're passionate about and at least pursuing it, maybe they love it. Maybe that's like their life. That's what they live for. Or maybe like they pursue it for a while, learn some really cool stuff and then like kind of like go off on a tangent and find like the thing that they really loved. I don't know. Like, I think we were talking about like all the stuff that we do, like even today, like, you know, just creating like scripts for these films and filming them. And then we're doing social media, like we're marketing, we're branding products. We're now doing a podcast. Like (laughs) you could literally be a marketing director at this point and do a better job than most people in the industry. I'm still amazed at who gets hired I just posted on my Instagram story the other day how I was looking through Bugle Magazine, which is a kick-ass magazine, but there were two ads back-to-back of, like, guy with an elk strapped in his pack, like, walking, quartering away, holding product in his hand. Like, back-to-back, same exact thing. Like, been done a million times. And that's still someone's getting paid to go out and take some terrible photo and make a terrible advertisement that I guess works. <laughs> and there lies the opportunity. <laughs> it's a matter of, I think, convincing people to put, and that's getting better, I think, is is people putting faith and trying new things. You know, I think there's still kind of that older generation that's in control of some of these brands that is, like, unsure of, like, pushing the, not the envelope, but, like, 
doing what's what works now in this current climate of like marketing and connecting with people still like 10 years behind yeah absolutely yeah i mean even now like there's still brands that haven't or (laughs) i remember like pitching projects and brands be like no i don't know you know like have no comprehension of the idea and then three years later they do it yeah and i think that kind of brings me to a point that i was gonna i was gonna ask you earlier is like when I started, I'm sure when you started, it was easy to like be super passionate about it all the time, always thinking of a new idea or a new shot or a new hunt. And like, I think that some of that dwindles over time when you pitch things that you think are really cool. Like, <laughs> and just FYI, if you think coming into the industry, like all your projects are going to get the green light, like you're <laughs> wildly delusional because it's a very small percentage. But after time, I think people like shooting down like ideas that are actually really sound and really quality, like almost kind of dampens a little bit of that like fire. At least it did for me. I don't know if you've ever like encountered that. Yeah, I mean. And sometimes it's hard to like overcome to be like, okay, what's the next thing? Keep going. Yeah. You know, it's like. Well, screw you. Like, that was a sick idea. And you did some (laughs) dumb thing. Like, what the heck? You know? And then the next brand does it. Or, like, the next year's project you pitch. I don't know. There's this thing that's – you kind of have to insulate yourself from Yeah, you got to have thick skin in the pitching process of everything you do. Because you can have the most epic idea. And some brands will just say no. Somebody might just not like you. You might not have developed a good enough relationship with whoever you're pitching to to where they don't have trust in you. Yeah. And regardless of whether you're totally capable or not, like if you haven't built that, you know, connection, like it's probably not going to happen. And so that's, I mean, as much as anything, like networking has been so huge for myself and I'm sure you, I mean, I mean really anyone in any business that you work in, I think networking is probably one of the top things that you should really focus on. And by that, I mean like building really strong build business relationships with everyone that you can that works in the industry that you want to be in and like genuine relationships not just like oh i want to use you it's like no i actually be their friend like that's the best way to do it yeah i think um i just wrote about this in that blog post on the website it's just when you network with people like yes you're going to reach out to people that you're hoping are going to maybe like give you a opportunity or a foot in but like when you actually spend time with that person try to foster like a real relationship because they might actually become someone that's like you can be friends with someone that also benefits you you know absolutely and that's totally fine like pick out people that you think you'd be friends with and are going to help you out like definitely don't go the route of just like oh what can you do for me because that's pretty rampant in the industry and like it's a lot smaller circle than you think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it never helps you to be that person. Even though you might, you might see someone else doing it and see like momentary advances in their career because they use people like it catches up to you. Like you can only use people for so long before your reputation, reputation like proceeds yourself and you start like becoming an outsider because you're a dick. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, 
and like you say, I mean, I, again, I've only really worked in the hunting space, but the hunting space is extremely small and we've seen mm -hmm. that happen with a number of people. And, yeah. and then you see people that are on the other end of the spectrum that just are try, trying to be genuine friends with everybody and are just, they're just genuinely good people and they, yeah. they have succeeded and they continue to succeed. So that's a, yeah. it's just kind of a good life lesson more than anything. But <laughs> how do you go about finding people to shoot photos of without getting us assigned a job? Like, which you probably had to do that more in the beginning than you do now, but. Yeah, I mean, nowadays it's, it's just, again, it's networking. It's finding, it's, fortunately, most of my friends hunt. And so I'm able to go hunting and shoot a lot of content around a lot of my friends. And so it's just kind of fostering that relationship and planning hunts with buddies and stuff. Um, but like from the beginning, I mean, when I very first started, I was shooting photos of my dad. My dad and I would go hunting and he would take the camera and shoot photos of me sometimes. Then uh, one of my buddies from Mystery Ranch that was a pack designer, he had never hunted in his life before, but he really wanted to get into it. And him and I had done a bunch of skiing together, and so we knew we'd get along well, and so helped him through hunter safety, and we went hunting. And um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's it's really the, the starting place, in my opinion, is your friends or people in your immediate circle. And then after that, it's like, geez, if you live in a cool hunting mecca, just reach out to people through social media, through Facebook, whatever. Just be like, hey, like, my name's so-and-so. Like, I'm just curious if you'd let me tag along and come and photograph one of your hunts for you. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an amazing place to start. It doesn't cost them any money. Like, they get a hunting buddy out of it. Heck, yeah. So. People like having their hunts documented as long as you can keep up and <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> don't, like, spoil a stock. Like, yeah. you're pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, you never want to be the weak link in any hunt that you do and with someone i mean it this is probably more of anything um is in reference to like mountain hunts but i'm a pretty active person always have been always will be um but like every time i go into hunt i'm like i'm i make it a point to make sure that i'm to the best of my physical fitness that i can be mm -hmm. so that i'm never going to be one that's going to be lagging on a hunt so. yeah uh yeah tips you definitely don't want to lag way behind the group <laughs> <laughs> always bring food bring food for other people <laughs> that goes a long ways with me uh ask questions man some of the younger photographers i've worked with like it's so hard for them to ask questions i'll be like like i know you have like 20 million questions going on in your head right now you just need to spit it out so i can help you yeah. you know yeah. whether it's asking questions about photography asking questions about the hunt asking questions about gear like you know, if you're going to be spending time with people, make sure that you're set up and don't be afraid um, to ask questions. I mean, showing that you want to be at your best, like you're either going to – either that person's going to be a good person and they're going to help you or you're going to find out that, that person's probably not someone that you want to spend much time with if they're not willing to help someone that wants to be at their best level, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it can be tough to find good people to shoot photos of. It's, like, unfortunate, but, <laughs> like, certain brands will only use certain photos of people wearing certain things. Yeah. And some, <laughs> and not, and, like, starting out, all your friends don't always have, like, they're not always kitted out head to toe. Yeah. You know? And that makes it tough. Totally. You still, that's, like, you can still take awesome shots. You just might not be able to sell any or, like, use them for brand work, but it. Yeah helps your portfolio yeah. and your experience shoot if you're just getting into it and you're trying to be like hey i want i'm really into this like how where do i start like that is an amazing spot to start yeah you got a camera 
even if it's your iPhone, whatever, <laughs> oh, yeah. go out and like photograph your buddies or people that you can just connect with. Like they don't need to pay you. Just go and do it. Yeah. It's a great place to start. And you're going to learn a, a heck of a lot more than you ever would doing anything else. Yeah. You have to not like, I wouldn't say work for free a lot, but you do <laughs> Yeah. in the beginning. Like you don't expect to be like getting paid all the time or getting, I'm not saying like shoots with brands, but like be willing to sacrifice a ton of time to develop the craft of just spending money to go hunting with people and shooting photos. And I would encourage people to go shoot skiing, go shoot fishing, go shoot whatever. Like any photography benefits you (laughs) just developing your eye. Absolutely. The goal is to develop your eye so that like you see a photo, then use your camera as the tool to take the photo. Not like, Oh, let me look through the camera and pan around until I (laughs) see something (laughs) sweet, you know, like, (laughs) Which is hard. I shot a lot of really, really, really bad images from the start, but yeah. Oh, same. I mean, everybody starts somewhere, right? But it's like I, I think another thing is to I wouldn't look into the hunting industry as a place to seek like inspiration. There are some amazing photographers and content people out there that do create awesome stuff, but like yeah. I mean, every other industry out there has amazing photography. I mean, I, I look at like architectural stuff. Um, I, I look into like wedding photographers, even, uh, climbing photography. I mean, there's just, there's some really, really unique, um, photos out there and mm-hmm. other sources of inspiration that, that I certainly look into. Yeah. We never, like, I haven't had TV in like, I don't know, 10 years. I mean, and TV is even like kind of now becoming a thing of the past. It's like Netflix and yeah, whatever, but I consume just like skiing and snowboarding films when we started. Like, I don't know if you ever run New Schoolers, but oh, yeah. <laughs> New Schoolers back in the day, that's my jam. Did you go in there and watch his videos for hours? Um, I didn't watch any of the hunting TV shows. I still don't. Like, if you ask me about a hunting TV show, I'm not going to know. Yeah. Um, you know, I watch stuff online, but, uh, and there's, there's some good hunting stuff out there, but if you were to ask me, like, who really inspires me in the hunting film realm which isn't really photography but like there's not anyone that really comes to mind my inspiration comes from other industries there's photography that i think is sick films a lot harder for me to get excited about in our industry but yeah that's a lot harder to do as well so yeah man so what else we need to talk about as far as how we got started I feel like we bounced around a lot there, which is going to be a pretty common theme, I think, in this podcast. Because <laughs> that's like your lifestyle is bouncing around all the time. So <laughs> your brain ends up doing the same thing. Uh, I guess we could touch on lifestyle a bit. but Yeah, lifestyle is going to be like a whole probably like either podcast or a common thread in a lot of these podcasts when we start talking to some other photographers. But yeah, the lifestyle is for sure unique. What do you like about the lifestyle, Drake? <laughs> um, it's kind of a, it's a, nothing is guaranteed with what I do. Yeah. I try and try and try to get on like multiple three year, five year, even contracts. I was still every brand I work with everything I do. It's a one year contract. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes I'll sell like spec photos. So like an individual, like a random photo and I'll, make some money that way but it's like my income fluctuates a lot 
Um, and there's no consistency really to the work that I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, there is and there isn't right. But like, I can kind of count on certain things every year, but, uh, that sounds like a negative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you, there's no, con- there, there, the consistency is just minimal. And so that, yeah. that can add a lot of stress. And then, uh, but I, I like, mean, at the same time, like a benefit to that is like, geez, like I've traveled all over the world photographing yeah. all sorts yeah. of some of the wildest, unique things yeah. that like very, very, very few people will ever be able to experience. And like, that is, that is absolute gold. So like, I, w- I wouldn't change the world for that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also travel like 150, 200 days a year. Um, I live in a tent most of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten really good at living in a tent. <laughs> Dude, you get really good at being a bum is basically yeah. <laughs> what you get really good at being. Uh, you get paid yeah. to live like a homeless person. <laughs> Come like... November, you're like, oh my goodness, dude, I could sleep in my bed for a week straight. I don't even remember what it feels like, like a warm shower. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think the best part probably about the lifestyle, um, for me, there were and are two things. And um, sorry, had a little, little burpage there. Um, first is probably like the cool experiences. You know, I mean, people don't think it's work when you're out documenting hunts it totally is but you're in like amazing locations experiencing what the people who are hunting or if you're hunting or whatever are experiencing and like getting to see things that people just don't get to see on a day-to-day basis which is super super unique and for yourself you've gotten to go to a ton of really unique places i've stayed pretty grounded and just like western u.s but still like i have a pretty good sense of like the entire state of montana and some of the surrounding states which some people live in montana and never see even a tenth of the state like i can say i've pretty much been to every corner of the state laid eyes and or foot in every mountain range like and montana is an awesome place let alone like other states here in the west um, for you, you've gotten to go like what Azerbaijan, and <laughs> yeah, like I said, all, <laughs> all kinds of like really <laughs> unique places, which are sweet. Yeah, I've been on I think seventeen sheep hunts now, and I've never killed a sheep, but frankly, I've done everything. So you've gotten like what, like millions of dollars worth of sheep hunting under your belt <laughs> <laughs> for to yeah, get paid yeah, yeah. without <laughs> killing anything. <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the cool thing about those trips is like, and this is the way I view it is like. I did everything on that hunt that the hunter did that everybody else did. Yeah. I just, I just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And the coolest thing about hunting is like getting to spend time where the animals live and experience their environment. So, yeah. you know, you're getting most of the benefit. Totally. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a 10 day hunt and you spend nine and a half days just to get to the point where you actually pull the trigger. It's like, that's the times that suck though, is when that hunter is just being a, Mm. yeah <laughs> like people definitely don't hunt the same yeah. that's a frustrating thing sometimes when you're the photographer yeah when it's, you have a, when you have a strong hunting background especially yeah. and the, the, the hunter's doing some something weird you're just kind of like okay like is it my job here or is it is it is this is this a good move on my end to like interject and be like hey maybe you should try this or not and so you know he's kind of navigating that but that's yeah that's a fine line there. between like okay, I'm here to document your hunt and how you hunt. And sometimes weird stuff that I think is stupid actually works out. Yeah. <laughs> then there's also times where I'm like, no, no, no. 
Like, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. Like, I need to say something. At least say I said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they didn't heed it. And you don't want to be, like, the annoying photographer that's telling you how to hunt your hunt. But, yeah. I mean, I have had times. And I think that's where you want to be creating a relationship with the person that you're yeah. photographing. And, like, saying, like, hey, like, what's your plan? Like, you know, here's what's happened before. Here's kind of what I'm thinking. And well, like, that's the beauty of being a hunter and a hunting photographer is oh that yeah. you, you can you can provide a lot of value mm -hmm. in, in hunts where you're photographing someone else. And you can also be that person that's going to help bring that other person up if they have an emotional low or they go through the highs yeah. and lows of a hunt or like something doesn't work out or they get, you know, frustrated or they, they want to go home. You, yeah. you can be that person that's going to like keep them going basically. Yeah. And like, and that's a huge value add. Like sure. you do that once on a hunt and like that person will invite you to go on their hunt and to photograph it forever. Yeah. yeah. And then another part of the end or the lifestyle that I like, um, is you get to dictate your own schedule. I mean, that means that you work super irregular hours. Like it can be tough to schedule time with friends of yours that work like a nine to five and they're just used to like being off at five and having the weekend off, you know, or like even today, you know, a buddy calls me at six. Hey, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm working. I'll be working probably till like at least 11. I'm getting up first thing in the morning and <laughs> doing the it same thing again, tomorrow because yeah. I'm hustling right now. And then I have a cool trip that I'm going to go on. You know, you get to schedule things in a unique way that's super appealing. Yeah, It can be a tough thing to not to like to force yourself to work sometimes you know like you can get wrapped up in just wanting to do all the cool things especially like nowadays where this profession kind of requires you to be on social media and someone's always doing something sick yeah <laughs> totally you yeah, know like there's the my buddies were out, you know one of my buddies was out yesterday like saw a massive bear like i didn't even know it was bear season like i <laughs> I would love to be out bear hunting, but I can't. Like, I would love to have went out and shot a turkey, but I can't. I should be fishing, but I'm not. You know, like, at some point, you have to have some self-discipline to tell yourself when you should work yep. and when you should <laughs> not be working and take advantage of good conditions. But yep. the flexibility of schedule is super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, you do get a lot of sweet gear. Yeah. I would never do this job for the gear, but it's it's definitely like in the grand scheme of things, like added income. Yeah, because you don't have to spend a lot of money true, yeah. to have the best gear, which is kind of a big deal. You know, I mean, I guess for me, when I started hunting and fishing, like I bought stuff on my own, obviously, but pretty quickly. I started creating content and working with brands. And like, I think back now I'm like, man, if I had to go buy the kit that I have, like I wouldn't be able to <laughs> like literally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like same. it's so much money, yeah. which is a bummer. Um, we wanted to make a film that was going to be like the super relatable. Like you have like a, I don't know, $1,500 budget and just go crash on a hunt. You know, like go to Walmart, buy a rifle and some boots. <laughs> you get out in blue jeans and a flannel and crappy little backpack. I mean, you could do it for less than fifteen hundred bucks, but like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like photography. Like the tools don't dictate 
the quality of your work or the quality of your hunt, yeah. it makes your life way nicer. Yeah. <laughs> you can have <laughs> nicer stuff, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. Um, you know, nice gear is awesome because basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to be more comfortable and in the field and stay longer out there yielding more opportunities. Um, that is like, in my opinion, like the number one reason to invest in gear is going to make your experience better. But at the same time, that's not like a necessity. Um, and also when it comes to photography gear, like spending $4,000 on a bunch of camera gear is like probably the dumbest thing you should do. You should get a, I I mention this camera all the time. It's a Sony a 6,000, um, pair that with like, a little 50 mil f1.4 f1.8 lens and you're probably gonna run yourself like 600 bucks and spend the rest of it at four thousand dollars so the yeah. remaining 3600 bucks like or 3400 dollars, just like go to really cool places mm-hmm. just invest in trips Heck like yeah. that's what's gonna create like the most epic imagery yeah dude spend like a grand on a camera and go to new zealand <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're gonna have way sicker images if you went there for like three or four weeks than you would if you like spent four grand on camera gear and had no money and like could only travel like an hour from town on the weekends <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah you're gonna show people but new things because they probably never I don't, seen those places, I don't know so. if i'd recommend either i'd maybe fall somewhere in the middle on that but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. bad things about the lifestyle is the travel uh some people thrive off that but um, for me, the older I get, the more I want like a, a home that I can call home and be around more and like be around more people on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, so for me, like I don't want to travel as much in the future. Um, to be a successful hunting photographer, you have to be on the road. Yeah. A lot. Absolutely. So it's like, for me, I'd love to have a family at some point down the line and I don't want to be gone all the time. If I have kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, that's like a reality of like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like, I love hunting photography, but <laughs> yeah, what's more important? So that's kind of a internal question that some people will have. I know I have it. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you probably don't love traveling all the time. I mean, you're kind of a nomadic person, but at some point it's got to get a little old or... I guess what, what the, the things that I love about travel is the more I travel, the more I really appreciate coming back home to Montana. Yeah. And I've been to some really huge, wild mountain ranges and crazy exotic places. And when, when I go to those places and then I come back to Montana, like it just makes me want to just go absolutely crazy in Montana. And like some of the places that I thought were really big mountain ranges in Montana now like seem so attainable. And, and that, that's a really cool feeling. So I, I, I really love that just cause traveling gives you perspective, mm-hmm. um, in, in many regards. Um, but at the same time, like kind of like you're saying, like if you want to build, develop a family or, or, or even just like develop stronger personal relationships with your buddies and your oh, friends. Yeah. Um, just the lifestyle itself. Like, yeah, I'm not a weekend warrior because I don't have to be like, I don't subscribe to a weekend. Mm -hmm. Some of my closest friends, uh, do. And so it's, it's really hard to schedule or even hang out with them. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? Like Wednesday and Thursday? They're like, Oh, I'm working. I'm like, yeah, damn. (laughs) I know it's now it's like, I can't find anyone to do anything on a week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go out by myself. (laughs) Yeah. Then you you end up just kind of hanging out with like other buddies that are also kind of in the same space a little bit or just doing stuff by yourself. It isolates you to the people just like you a lot. Exactly. Yeah. You know, 
which is great for like your craft, mm-hmm. but it's not great for like forging new relationships. Right. Outs- like it's cool to be friends with people, not based on your hobbies. Yeah. Like it's cool to have buddies that can, you can call up and go do the same thing. Yeah. But it's also like something nice to be like, we're just good friends. Yeah. We don't have to go hunting, fishing, anything. See, that's crazy. I do not have a single friend <laughs> that is that is really like that, or at least a close yeah. one. I've got lots of acquaintances that, that yeah. aren't into hunting at all. But like my immediate circle, I don't have anyone that's not, to some degree, into the yeah. same space that both you and I basically are. So. A negative, I think. I mean, it's, it's yeah. A negative about the lifestyle too is that it's difficult to find time to hunt with people that want to get into the sport or people that aren't very good at it because so much of like hunting seasons a limited amount of time and you're trying to work, capture the best content. You want to hunt with people that are allowing you to capture content or are good at hunting. And so it eliminates a lot of people. Like if I had no obligations during hunting season, I there's probably a handful of people I'd love to just take hunting. Absolutely. Show them yeah. like what's so cool about hunting or yeah. like go That's hunting with someone yeah. that I know is not that great and would just go do a hunt that I wouldn't normally do. Like I'd love to do that, but it's super hard to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. We haven't hardly done that much. No, we've gone Like really we went on what? One hunt, I think. Is that it? <laughs> no, you came to bear camp. Couple. Oh yeah. I came to bear camp <laughs> two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I mean, that's a prime <laughs> example of like, we're super like-minded, do a lot of the same things, and like we haven't even spent that much time. I mean, there's not a lot of people that I've spent super high amounts of time with. Yeah. You know, it's a super select few people. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to. It's just like. No, it's incredibly self-fulfilling to go out with new people or some of your closest buddies and stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you are in the space of creating content in the hunting space and you're just out there. Yeah hunting with people that you can't do that with mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, geez, this is a missed opportunity. Sure. So. A positive of it is that you do get to spend time with some killers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you get to learn a lot about hunting really quick. Yeah. Um, I always say this is like, especially if you go on an extended hunt or even a one day hunt, like if you're on the mountains with a friend or a brand, someone you've never met before, you spend 10 days out on a mountain with them. Yeah. Like, after those 10 days, you will know that person better than like 90% of the people in, in their life probably do. Like it's, it's such an, it's like, a, it's a very intimate um, time that you get to spend with, with people in the mountains. So yeah. Um, forging a relationship in the mountains, it's going to be such a stronger bond than just like going out for dinner or drinks with someone in town or going to a concert or whatever it is normal people do. <laughs> um just because the experience is, it's not like primal, but you're in a very like uncivilized environment. Yeah, and you're relying on each other for like a lot, everything. Some and, of yeah. you, I mean, to an extent, like your survival potentially might rely on another person, their judgment, their decisions. Yeah. You know, like you're suffering together a lot of the time. Like you're making decisions together like it's definitely like there's people that i've met once and been on a hunt with once and if i saw them it'd be like yo what's up you know like we're just we're tight yeah Yeah. (laughs) even though i haven't seen you in two years but yeah (laughs) which is cool yeah yeah 
that's one thing I absolutely, one of the main reasons I, one of the only reasons I love going to trade shows is that you get to reconnect with a lot of these people that uh, mm. maybe you spent 10 days on a mountain with. It's the only time of the year that you're going to see them unless you actually go hunting again with them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you get tired of talking to people about hunting all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst. I'm so bad at telling hunting stories. Well, and I, I, that, that might be because I'm kind of the same. I, I don't love hearing hunting stories. Yeah. I hate when people just go down this trail of telling me a hunting story. Like, and, and that's probably because I'm a photographer. I also do a lot of video stuff. And like, I want to be moved by a story. And so when t- someone tells me just the average generic hunting story of this is how it went down, this is what they did when they pulled the trigger and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. I'm just like, I do not care. Yeah. Like, tell me something that's really going to like yeah. inspire me or cause me to think or anything. And like, and I, and I think of that all the time as, as far as like, okay, how do I take that thought and apply it back into my work? Yeah. Um, because how many people out there are probably sick of seeing the same old, same old photo or video and I don't know, another hunting video. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, how do you, how do you change that up? Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, Brett saying, but like, <laughs> dude can definitely tell a tale. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even tell stories. <laughs> now that I know you, I can't even tell a story, dude. My stories suck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm bad. People are like, how's your hunting season? Be like, it was pretty good. Killed an antelope buck. That's about it. <laughs> I spent like 40 days in the field, did all these hunts, you know? But yeah. it's like, eh, it was pretty good. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like it's hard for me to talk about hunting unless uh, someone was there with me on the hunt. <laughs> you know, you like talk about the moments you had because yeah, they yeah, have that experience. Then. And I'm a terrible like embellisher. Yeah, I can't like hype the story up really. Yeah, more, need more people like Brett saying the story, just <laughs> not only to entertain us, but also to like tell cool hunting stories. Yeah, and like through photo and video and like everything. Cause like, yeah, that guy's awesome. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, sweet man, it's been about an hour. I'd say that's a good podcast time. Absolutely, we've only got about a hundred more topics to cover, so there will be more. Oh, that was epic first first podcast. Yeah, we think it'll be the first. We're not sure what the order is going to be yet. We're going to kind of just wing it, which I think is the best strategy. Um, yeah. So be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Hunting Photog. Website's huntingphotographer.com. We're going to have some kick-ass guests. Definitely shoot us a message. Send us an email. Let us know what you want us to talk about. There's really nothing off limits for me. There might be a few things off limits for Drake, but... <laughs> If you got something that crosses the line, let me know. I'll probably talk about it. <laughs> Try not to drag Drake into any rabbit holes. But, yeah, thanks for listening, and there will be more to come. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right, signing off. <laughs>